Welcome to the Ready to Buy podcast. The podcast for busy young professionals like you to help get yourself and keep yourself ready to buy your dream home. Series one is for all of you looking to buy your first home. And whether that's next week, next month, or even next year, we'll walk you through the process and help you build your knowledge, your understanding, and your confidence really help ensure that you have a plan in place and that you're ready to buy when you want to be. The Ready to Buy podcast is brought to you by me, Mark Humphrey of MHC Mortgage and Protection Limited. And with over 20 years of experience in the mortgage industry, we help and support people like you buy their homes on a daily basis. We are passionate about making the process simple, easy, hassle and stress-free for all of our clients and we'll be sharing our knowledge, experience and loads of useful hints and tips throughout the series. We'd love you to get in touch if you'd like some help with your own situation and you can find us at mhcmortgages.co.uk. And to make sure you never miss an episode, you can subscribe using any podcast app out there, including of course Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Amazon. Welcome to today's episode, Buying Your First Home, Where Do You Start? Hi, it's Mark. And so you're at this really exciting stage of starting to think about buying your first home. Now, just to leave that for a few seconds, just to let it sink in and the magnitude of it, you're looking to buy your very first home. It's the biggest investment I'm sure you'll have ever made. You've not ever bought a home before. And potentially, you're about to spend several hundred thousand pounds on it. And so you can understand why it is really daunting to so many people. And often knowing where to start is such a problem because there's so much jargon, in, in certainly in the mortgage industry, haven't been in this, this industry for many, many years. And there's so much information out there, almost too much now, where we live in an age where everything's at, at our fingertips with the internet and and even with people we speak to, always willing to give us their thoughts and advice. I say that with a sort of a hint of um, playfulness because all of our situations are ever so slightly differently, even from our friends, family, colleagues that are, on the face of it are, are in quite a similar position. Their, their requirements could be completely different to yours. So I would say try not to listen too much to the unqualified sort of opinions of the person in the pub or, or the colleague that feels like they know it all because they've maybe been through it once before. And so we said it can be really daunting. And I would say, like with anything in life, it's about breaking things down. It's about approaching it in a sensible and a measured way and bit by bit. So if we think about going on a journey, whether you're going somewhere for work, whether you're going on a holiday, the way to do it, as we invariably do it now, is to get the sat-nav on, know where we're going, and it will help us get there in the most speedy and the most efficient and hopefully the most stress-free way. And even if there's the odd bump in the road or, or diversion, having that plan in place as early as possible just means that we're going to get there in the best way. 
And I'd very much liken that to this process of, of finding your first home. Buying your first home really should be such a positive and fun experience. I really believe that. That's why I've introduced this podcast to help give you some hints, tips and guidance to help you along the way. So where do you start is a really good and the most common questions. And there's lots of questions that sort of lead into the big questions. But when we think about buying our first home, I think we're all dreaming of of that perfect home in the area that we want to buy, the type of property that we want to buy. Is it flat? Is it a house? Is it a detached, semi-detached? And actually, what price bracket is it going to be or can we afford um, what are the monthly payments? So all, all those big questions. And that's something that we'll cover as we go through. For me, the biggest advice that I can give you is to understand all of your options, because you will have a lot of options. And there are a few ways of going about it. Now, the first one, I see it so often and have done over the years our parents march us down to the bank or the building society to open an account when we're maybe 11 or 12. I had a similar thing. I got marched down to Midland Bank as it was many moons ago. It's now HSBC and has been for, for a long time. Um, opened a bank account and I remained with them for, for many years. Now, so many people do that. And by default, when you want to buy a house, you go and speak to the mortgage advisor in your bank. And that's great. And I'm sure your bank will be great. They will tell you all about what they can do for you in terms of how much you could borrow, maybe what types of properties that you are able to to buy through them. If there are any particular special schemes, if it's a government schemes, for example, the help to buy scheme or shared ownership, they may or may not do that. And whatever rates they're offering. Now, as you might appreciate with that, the problem being is that is one of your options. And you'll find, and I know from working with dozens of lenders over the years, that they all look at you through an ever so slightly different lens when it comes to assessing, A, will they lend money to you? B, how much will they lend you? C, what type of property? All those types of questions. So if you went and spoke to 10 different lenders or 20, you could quite possibly have all sorts of different options with them. So just going to your bank, why would you narrow down all of your options just to that one? Something I also see is when you think that you want to go and buy a property, you might have saved, maybe not had a a plan in place as to what you're looking to do, but just go straight in and start looking at properties. And that tends to involve researching online, going and, and speaking with estate agents, going and looking at properties, falling in love, and then starting to worry about the mortgage. For me, that's a very back-to-front way of doing it, and it's more sleepwalking your way in as opposed to having a deliberate plan and knowing exactly where you want to get to. Now, what I've also seen over the years with that is that the estate agents will tend to sit you down with their mortgage advisor or one that they're linked to, and they will then look at your options from there. Now, for me, whilst you can go down that route, it doesn't feel like a particularly deliberate plan and who's to say that it's going to get you to your dream house and is it going to get you in the most quick and efficient way and the most stress-free? Often it doesn't. So the third option would be as early as possible to find 
a whole of market mortgage broker. So whole of market means one that works with all of the lenders across the market. So all of the high street lenders, the big banks and building societies that you'll be familiar with and possibly less familiar with, and a number of specialist lenders out there as well. As you can then appreciate, that then means that they can look at all of your options from all of these different lenders. And you may actually find that your bank doesn't actually lend you anywhere near as much as some of the other banks, which then could have restricted what you can buy. Now, I feel very qualified to talk about these simply because I've seen it from all sides. I've been a mortgage advisor in a bank. I worked for Abbey National, who are now Santander, for several years right at the start of my career. And whilst we were able to offer what Santander could, if our rates weren't the best or if our criteria simply wasn't suitable for a customer, we simply weren't able to help. I've also been a client. So I've had mortgages over the years with the houses that that we've owned and More recently, I've been a mortgage broker and run MHC Mortgage and Protection. And I have to say, one of the things that I love about what we do as mortgage brokers is that we're able to help most people because just because one lender isn't able to help, invariably, there'll be another lender or many lenders that are able to help. And so being able to consider the whole of the market and all of the lenders for our clients is so beneficial And for you to keep all of your options open, I would say is the best way forward. Not only that, but in terms of the support that you will get from your broker will be that essentially they're going to hold your hand all the way through. They're going to explain the process and they're going to talk you through from the very start. So from putting your plan together that we're talking about today, all the way through to getting the keys to your new home and beyond. Essentially, they're going to be supporting you for many, many years to come. They'll take time at the very start to understand your situation. So they'll ask you questions. They'll ask for some documentation around your income, some bank statements, some identification, all of those things. And essentially, they want to understand what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. And they'll help put that plan in place and they'll help implement that as well and take an awful lot of the stress and the worry And they'll liaise with the other people within the process. So whether that's estate agents, solicitors, the mortgage lenders, they'll take an awful lot off your plate and take a lot of the paperwork off your plate. As you can imagine, a lot of it's digital, but it still involves keying things onto lender platforms and using the various bits of technology behind the scenes. So there's many, many benefits to using a broker, not just to understand all of your options, but to get support and guidance all the way through. Definitely not a silly question. Each episode, we like to answer a question that I might have been asked by a client this week because something that we don't know, no matter how big or small, particularly when it comes to money, mortgages and finance, will cause unnecessary stress. So I say to all of my clients, there really genuinely are no silly questions. And so the question this week I've been asked is... I've been to two different banks and they've offered me two completely different mortgage amounts. Why is this? So if you imagine that banks, building societies, all lenders are separate businesses and ultimately they will make business decisions on how likely they feel they are to get their money back. 
and they've got an awful lot of data that they'll use. So their past experience from all the clients that they've ever lent money to, they'll look at your credit file, they'll look at the makeup of your income. So if they're a basic salary, bonus income, commission, uh, allowances, they'll look at your length of time in your current role, they'll look at your address history, all of those factors, and then they'll come to a decision. And if one will lend you quite a bit more than another, just means that they're more comfortable with your situation than maybe the other. So if you have a question you'd like to ask, anything at all, please get in touch through my LinkedIn page, I'm Mark Humphrey, or via the MHC Mortgages page on Facebook. Not only will I come back to you nice and quickly with an answer, but I promise to try and share your question in future episodes because you can be sure if you're thinking that question there'll be plenty of other people thinking exactly the same questions. Now there are a couple of things that I need to tell you as we're talking money and mortgages. It's important to seek advice for your own individual circumstances okay and whilst it might seem really obvious a mortgage is a loan secured on your home and your home may be repossessed if you don't keep up your mortgage payments. So in other words, if you have a mortgage or when you get a mortgage, pay it on time, you'll be fine. And so starting to put your plan together, the main three questions that we touched on earlier. So how much are you going to need and how much are you going to need up front? So both in terms of deposit that you're going to have to put down and your buying costs, because buying a new home, there are some costs involved and we'll talk you through those shortly. How much can you borrow from the bank? And it's not just a case of how much will they lend you, but actually how much is going to be affordable and what looking at monthly outgoings as well and what's affordable on a monthly basis. And from there, what can you then afford to buy? So in terms of the type of property that you can buy, the area, all things that we said about before, and just as importantly, when? Are you ready now? Are you going to have to go away and save a bit more? Is it going to be a bit longer than you thought? Actually, is it going to focus your mind? And I promise you, having that plan in place will focus your mind because you'll have your end goal of being into your property. And it's a hell of a lot easier to cut back on those extras, the takeaways, the luxuries, when you know that short-term sacrifice will mean that you can get in your home quicker. So firstly then, money that you need up front, your deposit. It's ever more difficult to save a deposit. Now, lenders thankfully are currently offering mortgages with as little as a 5% deposit, so 95% mortgages. So depending on the overall purchase price, hopefully that means that it's affordable to many. So a deposit doesn't necessarily have to be huge, but equally where you get the deposit from is something that can be fairly flexible. The bank of mum and dad, as you might not be surprised to know, is actually the biggest lender by far in the UK, far, far and away bigger than any bank out there. And most lenders are more than acceptable of a gifted deposit where parents or close family members gift an amount for the part or all of the deposit towards uh, a family member's deposit for a property. Um, There are a couple of requirements most lenders have with that, and it tends to be that it's a non-refundable gift and the parent or the gifter doesn't 
have any rights or say over the property going forward. So over the past few years, increasingly, I've seen more and more people lucky enough to have parents that are able to help. But if not, like we say, deposits as small as 5% of the value of the property are acceptable to many. And so when it comes to your buying costs, there are a few things to be mindful of when you're buying a house. And if you're using a mortgage broker, they'll talk you through these and look at costs specific to your own situation. Stamp duty is the government tax that they impose when you buy a property, not when you sell, only when you buy. And how much you pay will be determined by the purchase price of the property. Other costs would include your solicitor costs. So a solicitor or a conveyancer, which is the same thing, just different terminology. Conveyancing is the legal work involved in the buying and selling of property. So a solicitor or conveyancer will be required to do the legal work involved in your purchase. This tends to be one of the slightly larger costs when it comes to looking at your buying costs. Estate agent costs. So it's important to be aware that estate agents act for the sellers or the vendors, another term for sellers, and not you as a buyer. Okay, so there would be no cost involved for estate agents. But it's also important to bear in mind that because they're acting for the seller, their loyalty, because they're getting paid by the sellers, will always be to them. Okay, so just something just to be mindful of. Other costs might include a survey or evaluation. So a mortgage lender, when they're lending money, part of their due diligence process will be to check not just you out in terms of your income and your credit file, etc. They'll also want to check out the property. Two main things that they're looking for, and they'll tend to send a survey around to have a look at your property and, and complete a small or a short report. It will be, is the property worth roughly what you're buying it for? And is it in reasonable condition? So it's not a detailed inspection, but it will be a, a sense check to say, yes, the property is in adequate condition for them to be comfortable to grant the mortgage on the property. Now, lenders, many, many lenders offer this free of charge. Some might charge up to two or three hundred pounds. Again, that's something that your mortgage broker will tailor to you once they start to look at your options and research for you. Now, that is for the lender's purpose. That's not for your purpose. So I would always recommend if you're buying a property, depending on the age and the condition, is to get it checked out and do your own due diligence. And so that would mean looking at a maybe a slightly more detailed survey where a surveyor spends a bit of time in the property and comes back and reports back to you to give you reassurance that the property is in good condition. And what it should highlight is if there is any particular areas of concern, you go into things with your eyes wide open. And without trying to scare you, there have been times where I've had clients that have pulled out on the property because there are too many things lurking that would cause a problem further down the line. It may be a case of going back to the seller to insist that they rectify these problems before you go through and purchase a property. It may be that you renegotiate the purchase price to give you additional funds to complete that work. So really important. And we've all got different levels of attitude to risk. I see some people are quite blasé. Some people are very risk averse. So there's no right or wrong answer to this, but you need to find something you're comfortable with. And if it means getting a more in-depth survey, then the next level up from the basic survey is usually around four or 500 pounds. And a building survey where it's far more detailed still, 
you're probably looking around a thousand pounds you'd get quotes at the time to have more specific numbers for your situation and, and for the property other costs involved may be the mortgage lender with the mortgage that they offer you may come with an arrangement fee for the selected product to explain in real simple terms you might find a lender offers you two different rates one might be a, a low rate with a fee attached typically a thousand pounds you sometimes find if there is a fee you can add it on to the loan so don't necessarily have to pay it up front but there may be times where you do have to pay it up front alternatively they may offer you a slightly higher rate with no fee as well so there could be two options and part of your broker's role will be to look at both options and ascertain are you going to save that money over the course of the mortgage is it better to have the lower rate with a fee or higher rate without a fee there may also be a mortgage broker fee and so your broker will charge a small fee for their support guidance and advice throughout the process brokers will vary as to when they will take the fee for example, with us, we will only take it if you proceed with an application and it will be once the mortgage has been fully agreed. That's something your broker would advise you of from the very outset. And it's also important to have a contingency as well. So just in case additional costs arise, you don't want to be moving into your property and, and having no money to buy that new washing machine or decorate and having to go without decoration for a period of time. So I always recommend being a bit conservative with the numbers. That's your buying costs. And again, that's something that will be tailored to your own situation and will be part of your plan. But hopefully that gives you a bit of an outline as to the cost to consider. So how much can you borrow? That's probably the biggest thing that I'm asked. And it will always depend on certain factors. I mean, one factor, other than the obvious things around how much you earn, what your credit commitments might be in terms of loans, credit card, if you've got car finance, if you've got childcare costs, if you're paying maintenance, all of those good things. But other things that may impact that will be your credit file as well. So if you've missed payments in the past or had further problems such as defaults or county court judgments, that could have a serious impact on how much you're able to borrow, but also which lenders you're able to use. The size of your deposit as well may affect the affordability because lenders, the more equity that you've got in the property, the bigger deposit you put, essentially the lower the risk to them and the more generous they might be with the income multiples. So I would suggest as a first time buyer, lenders affordability calculations tend to look at between about four and four and a half times your gross combined annual salaries after allowing for these credit commitments. Again, you're going to get a more personalized idea from your broker taking in all of the factors, and there are lots of factors involved. So that's how much you can actually borrow, and that's something your advisor will present back to you. It's also a case of thinking about your monthly budget as well. Just because a mortgage lender may decide that it's affordable to lend you a certain amount, the monthly payments might be more than you're actually comfortable with or more than you want to commit to. Particularly if you're living at home, for example, and you're moving out for the first time, you'll need to factor in things like council tax, utility bills, your gas, your electric, your water bills, your insurance, food bills, life cover, all of those good things. If you're currently renting, it might be slightly different. You might be used to paying the majority of those bills, so it's maybe a more seamless transition. 
So it's really important to consider all of those things, not just look at the top line of monthly mortgage payment. Because what you don't want to do is commit yourself to something that becomes a little bit tight a bit further down the line. And to summarize from today, understanding all of your options is so important. And please don't narrow yourself down just to one or two. The best way, as we've said, is to enlist the help of a a good, well-recommended whole of market mortgage broker. They'll help you with all of your options and really take time to get to know you, your circumstances and essentially your hopes and dreams, and they'll work with you to put a plan in place. Then is the point where you can really start to see it all come together. It's a case of if you know how much you're going to need up front, how much you can borrow, that then determines, right, this is my price bracket. This is what I can start looking at. And that will help focus your search in terms of the area you're looking at, the type of property, and just as importantly, when. When is a really interesting part because I've had people over the years that didn't think they were ready. For example, I've had people come to me that believed that the minimum deposit was 10%, whereas you could actually get a 5% deposit mortgage. And so those clients were actually in a position to buy quicker than they envisaged at the very start. Equally, with some clients, it's a case of you're going to need to save a bit more and to go away and have more of a buffer possibly hadn't taken into account all of the buying costs. So hopefully that's given you a really good start. And as you can start to see, we're starting to break things down into smaller chunks. And by doing that, hopefully already, you're starting to feel, actually, this isn't quite so difficult. Thanks so much for listening today. I really hope that you've enjoyed the episode and found it helpful. We'd love you to join us next time when we'll be talking about getting yourself as presentable as possible. In the meantime, you can help us reach and help many, many more people like yourself by leaving a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcast and by sharing the podcast on your social media channels. So until next time, take care.